Hello, this is uh, Tamikaze, and today we have a very special guest with us. Um, it's uh, Connor Gorman. I uh, met Connor through a karaoke storyteller event uh, that recently happened in, uh, in D.C. We're actually in Chicago right now uh, doing this podcast. Uh, Connor resides in Chicago, and we're very excited about having Connor here with us. So this is really going to be great. Uh, so usually the way I start this out, um, is uh, I usually ask the um, guest to describe themselves as a cartoon character for the audience, as to paint a picture for for them to visualize. We also have uh, a uh, second host, uh, a guest host, uh, Sean Logue is with us, um, who had been a, a guest on our um, uh, podcast series uh, earlier. And uh, uh, one of the things that um, reason why we have Sean is Sean's been very influential in getting me into improv and karaoke uh, um, storytellers has a very improvising um, element to it. And uh, Sean's going to remember the questions that I may not and might not ask. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, let um, Connor describe himself to the audience here. Um, do you mean like, like physically? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean like um, have some so, of it. So like as a, an existing yeah, like, cartoon um, uh, character. Yeah, if you were, oh, either one. If you think that, like, um, uh, there's a cartoon character that's already out there that, like, you most resemble, that's fine too. But it's also, if you were to be, uh, treat yourself as a cartoon character. Oh man. <laughs> I, I. It's someone. Yeah. <laughs> the the joke I always have with uh, my friend, a friend of mine, we call each other the beta males, and our our motto is poke poke run away. <laughs> um so probably something along those lines um yeah i mean not definitely i don't know i like to think i'm nice but i'm also definitely a smart ass sometimes at the wrong time but um yeah whatever whatever that turns into as a cartoon character maybe like something weird too like like blue okay yeah something from rick and morty Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I mean, uh, I know that that question sometimes get an interesting response for it. That's why I ask it. It's uh, meant to be, meant to be kind of uh, like that. Yeah. I'll admit I haven't watched Rick and Morty very much. Are you a big fan? My fiance is a huge fan, and we started it. What she worked over in Old Town, actually, right next to Second City, and there's a bar there called Woody's Flat. And one of the bartenders there, because it's, it's on Sunday nights, um, or at least last year it was. I don't know if it always is, but it was on Sunday nights. So this guy just, like, made it a Rick and Morty bar, and people would come and watch it. So then it became, like, kind of a social thing, and, and um, I would have off on Sundays, and then she would get off work, so I would just meet her over there, and we would watch it. And through that, I got into it. I, it's one of those shows where people know, like, to the nth detail, like, characters callbacks and, and it's one of those shows um i'm not one of those people but i do appreciate it yeah and uh i don't know if you were aware that in washington dc there was an attempt to build a rick and morty bar out of the pop-up bar space yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was shut down like health standards or uh, <laughs> so it was actually um shut down by turner the Turner Company because uh, it was in copyright, uh, copyright violation. Oh, we actually we had one here, a, a, a pop up bar. For oh. Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
that was over there's a there's a barcade um kind of a, a little bit south of here oh. yeah interesting yeah those <laughs> yeah. pop-up bars yeah connor can you uh describe your earliest memory of uh your first karaoke Yes, actually, that's that's funny you say that because I was thinking about this the other day, like that specific question. Um, it was we were at my dad worked um, in Northern Virginia, um, and there there was a guy that he worked with that had a party every year, like in his backyard, had a pool and whatnot, and they had a little gazebo and they had karaoke set up, and I just remember this one kid getting up over and over and over and just like killing it but also like you know at, at the time i think i was probably 12 and he was probably 12 to 14 okay and i remember like on one hand like being a 12 year old who's like oh what an idiot and on the other hand being like man i i couldn't do that like i couldn't get up in front of all these people that i don't know and like bare my soul um i just he was singing uh um i think it was can you feel the love tonight oh. it was definitely something from lion king i'm pretty sure that was it um but then eventually my brother did sign up for Lose Yourself, and that didn't go well. But he was also like eight, so no one really cared. <laughs> so what was your first karaoke song? Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I didn't really get into karaoke before this project. Okay. Uh, man, I cannot think of... I, I had definitely done it before. The first song I did with this project was Space Oddity. David Bowie. Um, and, I, you know, honestly, I think that was, that may have been the first time I ever did karaoke, because I did it one time in only Maryland. There was a, at, a, at a bar um, near our house had it one night. And I think I did that one just because it's like such a, it's not one that you think about. And it can, you know, it's not Spice Girls. It's not Journey. It's, it's, it's Bowie, but it's like, kind of feels like a little bit of, you know, not even like what you would think of with Bowie. I just thought it was weird, so I did it, and it was fun. Yeah. 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 I love Bowie. Um, yeah, Bowie's just absolutely amazing. Uh, um, so I'm a, a Nirvana fan also, but uh, the man who sold the world done in the style of Bowie is yeah. usually the one that I'm, I'm uh, just... Bowie is it's just uh, amazing, uh, just the, even the way that the, the, music, the music video was shot, and at the time it was like kind of controversial because you know we had just sent person up to the moon it's like oh no what's going on so it's it's funny you bring up karaoke in dc because i hadn't i didn't do it while i was in dc um but then like here there are just off the top of my head five bars that do it every night of the week that are just committed to 100 percent karaoke um steve the dj um for our show both nights afterwards like the first night he was like i'm gonna go do some karaoke and was just looking all over and that was friday night and he couldn't find anything so then we were like oh maybe it's just like late or whatever and then the next night he did the same thing he couldn't he ended up just going to like a private room (laughs) and just did like 10 songs or whatever and went home but yeah yeah so the reason why why um why we do it is that it's one thing that when your friends see you do it over and over again it's another thing to test new stuff with an audience that doesn't know who you are. And it's just, that's why you are like, oh yeah, we'll find out what works and what doesn't work. And, and it's quite insane in some ways, but yeah, we enjoy being a little bit in, uh, zany and insane. I'm just going to say, and this 
One of the ways this conversation started was uh, after the karaoke storyteller show on Thursday night, or no, I'm sorry, Friday night, uh, I went up to Connor and said, you know, I know this guy, I'm going to bring him, I'm going to make him perform. <laughs> uh, that he, he's, he's done over 500 songs, uh, unique songs, and this is definitely the kind of person that should be doing this show. And, you know, we didn't ask in time, but we're just going to throw, I'm just going to raise his hand. Don't <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember, um, I think it was you who volunteered him then. Because we've had a thing where people, it's just a general rule. If you volunteer your friend, we make you come up. Yeah. But I think someone pointed at you, Tom, and then you were already up and walking over. So it's kind of like, okay, well, clearly you want to do it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I still can't believe, I mean, even, I don't know if you hit it or not, but just to have the goal of a thousand is insane. That's, <laughs> that's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. So that's a thousand between the two of us different. Okay. So like, um, which is still like, so we share a, a Google Doc to track that. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm over 500 right now. I think I'm at 585. Okay, so you've done your part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done my part, which is like, um, at, uh, he's he's going to hit 500 probably end of the month or beginning of next month. So we're definitely got it. Uh, <laughs> we... 1500 yeah, we could possibly... I know that I'm going to get to uh, probably about 750 That's insane, man. That's <laughs> insane. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things that... Um, uh, my, I'm probably going to keep at this with the new songs up to about 1,000. I can't do it in a year. I, look, I looked at the math. I was just like... <laughs> I'm like, this is... Unless I we owned our own bar and I'm just in there just singing, this is not going to happen. How many, do you, how many do you sing at night? Um, uh, I usually sing, um, so the way that I do karaoke is, uh, I will be the first there and I will be the last yeah. to go. So, um, uh, usually I do on a Thursday, I will do five, sometimes six. Uh, and then, uh, there's been the daytime karaoke and sometimes those are not, uh, attended that well. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, Professor Rex, uh, sometimes runs events right after that. So we have then like like an eight hour day of karaoke. So like we've ad- gone days where we've done over 20 songs. <laughs> <laughs> so one of those things, uh, with DuPont circle area, um, I used to really, uh, actually I was talking about more of the Ma- I'm Morgan area. So I think that I was a little bit off on that, but, uh, with DuPont circle, like, uh, brings me to, I think this is like, I've done this many shows where it brings me back to my favorite, place that used to exist um it was cafe japanese just uh it um it's very ingrained in my head because it was literally one of the first places i would used to go every friday yeah. and like be the first one there and be the last one out and i'd sing like 10 like over 10 songs a night there <laughs> and it was just insane because it was just this um it was a pretty intense crowd and and when you walk in it was very uh, iconic. There's a giant sumo wrestler painted right on the wall before you walk in on on the outside wall. So it's uh, one of the places that I will always be in my memory. I used to like uh, walk by there like two years after and and like reminisce about I'm like, is there a karaoke bar going in? <laughs> just like really just, I know it's crazy and like, uh, but 
just wishful thinking kind of thing. Yeah. Now the mural's no longer there, uh, but I'm sure it's doing well. Uh, you know, but uh, yeah, it's it's how I got into it. Um, it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. Was a lot of fun, and but there's still a lot of great karaoke in uh in DC. Um, so my so this brings us to my next question: What are your musical influences? My parents really they were into like basically 1965 to 1975. Um, so I grew up listening to like, like oldie one oldies 100. I don't know if they still even call it that. Um, 100.3. The big, the big now. Um, <laughs> they play newer stuff now. Yeah. Mixed in. Yeah. It's too bad. Cause that was a great, and we, I, I mean, both my parents driving the car, that was, that was what they listened to. So I grew up with a lot of, I mean, as a kid, I remember, like, my my older brother liked the Spice Girls a lot, so we got real into them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess, grow, like, most of the music I listened to growing up was from my parents' generation. Um, from, I guess, from, like, from a, both, like, the way I like to sing and, and um, especially Franny, a, bi- a big influence is, is Lumineers. Oh, yeah, so I, I I started listening to them sometime in twenty twelve, and I really like them. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that they are probably I I think that they're the best songwriters that have been oh. around in a while. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there are many more out there that are just as good. But I I don't know. They they really they they've got the. It's almost like the Beatles formula of being super super simple and yet being able to just play within the simplicity of it. Yeah. Um, Lumineers was actually one of the first bands that I, um, so during grad school and my, uh, days in college, I ended up not doing a lot of music or anything related with music. So I didn't go to any concerts. I used to go to a lot of concerts in high school and then a good 10, 12 years, I didn't go to a single concert and then I got back into it. And Lumineers was actually one of the first concerts I went to, uh, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. It was, uh, that album is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, one of those things where a lot of those songs that aren't even like um, yeah, like uh, that aren't even in like karaoke like uh, yeah. like songbooks. You're just like, God, I wish it was there. I would totally sing it. Yeah. It's just um, uh, but usually the ones I usually see is uh, flowers. Is it flowers? flowers? In your hair. Yeah, flowers in your hair. Oh, hey, and the other one stubborn is love. stubborn love. Yeah, yeah. Stubborn, stubborn love. I think I think I saw a gal song maybe somewhere. Yeah. Gal songs out yeah. there. Oh, yeah, and I haven't seen Clear. Oh, it is okay. Yeah, I need to like uh, get those down. But um, no, they're just uh, absolutely amazing. Have you listened to the um, NPR podcast that they had right before they hit it big? What's the name of that one? Um, uh, it was um, uh, it was literally on NPR. Like they were just talking. They had them on. They were uh, just like uh, I was in the car, like driving to uh, to uh, Monticello. And it was one of those things where, where uh, yeah, I was dri- in a car in Virginia driving to Monticello, and I just heard like some of their songs, their snippets, and they were just talking about how this band that was in New York City was like, oh, we gotta, we're gonna move away, you know, like we're we we're sick of sick of uh, doing this partial. Mm-hmm. We're gonna make a go of it. We're gonna move to Colorado. We're gonna uh, audition people, and we're not gonna like have jobs. 
we're going to do this. We're going to uh, work on our music every day and, uh, you know, find our sound. We may not have the, the biggest, like, we might not have the greatest instruments, like, we might not have a full drum set or uh, whatever, like, the instruments might not be the most fancy of sorts, but it's what, you know, the music at the end of the day is what matters. It doesn't matter what instrument you you got to get good at craft yeah. and the songwriting. And they, you know, just toured and it was absolutely amazing. I mean, uh, it was just like one of those stories. It was just like, this is, this is amazing. And it was one of the first reasons why, why, um, like, yeah. yeah. And lot, when you see them live, uh, they uh, have an element of a very, uh, passionate like um fan interaction a lot of clapping back and forth which i actually love with a lot of bands like uh, the killers have a lot of uh, callback like uh um uh, with the killers that they, they well with the way that luminaires do their songs i think that they extend certain parts so that it's like a more improvised playing certain uh bars are just extended, extended but yeah. But uh, with the Killers, they also do that. But they also have instrumental breaks and a lot of a lot of times karaoke tracks. Like with, a, for example, Led Zeppelin. Like uh, you have these instrumental tracks that are really, really like hard for karaoke like crowds. crowds. You know, just like with just these long instrumental breaks. Sometimes the crowd will love it. Sometimes they won't, which is okay. Like for example, I do whole lot of love. In order to do a whole lot of love, you've got to do all the silly noises. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. you'll hit the right crowd. They're like, oh, my God, I cannot believe you're doing this. And then other times, you know, that, that crowd might not be as open to it because they're more – they might not even know who Led Zeppelin is, right, which is right. – I know it's crazy, but it's um, – uh, when you're when you're competing with all the different genres, yeah, you get sometimes get lost. And, yeah. uh, but that uh, doesn't change how I'm going to perform. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to still, like, perform it the way that – that uh, I feel it, and it's like, oh yeah, it's this is how how it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I saw what one guy did. Um, uh, what is this song? It's a Bruce Springsteen, Jungle Land. The guy did Jungle Land one time, and he just sat down while Clarence Clemens has a like three and a half minute uh, sax solo. Yeah, and they had it on the track. It's like a nine yeah. minute track, and but he just sat there and like. It was, I thought it was beautiful. You could tell it pissed off a lot of people, <laughs> but um, it was also, I mean, the the list was kind of long, so he was, I think he was just being obnoxious, but yeah. it is like it, some songs, like if you want like Freebird, yeah. Freebird had done before and just cut off at the end, Yeah, you know, but it's still a long, I think it's like a, a minute and mm-hmm. a half intro, yeah. Yeah. you know, so if there are, there are some songs you can't, you can't just like, I mean, Freebird's a, a fun one to sing. Yeah. Um, so you can't just eliminate Stairway to Heavens yeah. the same way. I mean, it's you, sometimes you just have to live with them. But you can always, I don't know, that's one of the more interesting mm-hmm. things. Um, I, like it, I don't really, like if I'm singing one with a long intro or whatever, I don't really do anything. I just kind of stand there. But it's more like just kind of listening to yeah. the music, getting in a groove. Um, it is always interesting when some people get up and they don't realize oh, that yeah. there's a long musical break <laughs> because they kind of look around as yeah. if like, oh crap, I forgot about yeah. this part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's, that's the same look yeah. of panic every yeah. time you see it. I once went to somewhere and they, um, the person put in, um, the end by the doors <laughs> and they didn't make it to the end of the song. <laughs> it was just like, they Definitely didn't know how long the song was. Uh, there's definitely cases where I try to not, like, so 
when we are at the pinch on a uh, Sunday and there's not a big crowd, I will do long, long uh, songs like uh, eight minute songs. But usually I try not to do that because it is difficult and it's hard to pull off. Like uh, I sometimes you will get lucky and uh, the karaoke track is actually fixed already. They've truncated it. So this is the, the best version is um, best case of this is um, uh, Paradise City. Uh, it's usually an eight-minute song, and the full eight minutes is really hard to carry out by yourself without a live band. Uh, but usually, there are some cases where I found like six, six and a half minutes. That's like you know, for it's still long, but if you, it's a big difference between eight and uh, there's instrumentals in certain songs. I try to, uh, if I know that there's a, I will tell the DJ it's an outro like uh. Nine Inch Nails has a song, like, I think it's Closer, that has, like, a minute and a half outro. Yeah. Uh, I Can't I uh, can't Stop Feeling uh, by Franz Fern also has an outro. Like, one of my favorite songs. Yeah. But I would just, like, be like, okay, we're done. You brought up live band time, and I got stuck on that. And what that reminded me, of course, is that in Washington, D.C., we have live band karaoke. And actually, that was one of my first experiences doing karaoke in Washington, D.C., and it may, I'll still tell you up front, it made me feel like a rock star. Yeah, yeah. Have you, uh, is uh, Light Band Karaoke thing in Chicago? Have you ever? It is. I've done it um, a few times. There's actually, is today Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, they have it tonight. Oh, where? Um, not too far from here, actually. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, every Sunday night they have it. Um, I forget the name of the place. My fiance will know. Um, they've done it there, and there's also. There's a spot um, in the River North, the downtown area. They have it every Tuesday night. Okay. And that place is intense because, ah. like, it is it is the show. Like, okay. you know, like, sometimes it's just kind of there. People are watching. People are hanging out. This is, like, a fully captive 150 people consistently. Oh, yeah. um, and it is one of those things where it is not... Like, people are going there knowing that they don't want to sing. They just want to watch. Um, it's intense. It's very intense. It's more of a country um, kind of thing. So I don't sing too much country. So I had to... I, what a, they did... A, oh, Wonderwall. They okay. did, I, the band can basically do anything. They're more catering to what the place is um, in their kind of style. But if you... I don't know the band at all. Um, but I've seen people go up and just be like, I'm going to kind of do this. you know. So what is your go-to song? I don't think I have one. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have one, especially with. Again, th- this all started with the movie, mm-hmm. and that said. So I think because of that, not really. There, there was always. In the beginning, I was working songs um, to be like, okay, maybe we can put this in the movie. And yeah. now with karaoke storytellers, it's a whole new thing where it's not just doing songs, but it's doing songs with a purpose. And like, yeah. and, and with storytellers and, and with the movie itself, it's uh, it's good because sometimes songs do have a very specific story behind them. Yeah. And then other times I can just make it up, you yeah. know, because it's Franny and I can completely make a song specific to his history. Yeah. So um, uh, with this, uh, what is the title of the movie? So we haven't actually... Um, mentioned this and then uh the other thing is uh can you describe a little bit about um the characters in like uh, you know a few characters within the movie uh and like uh just a little bit give us a flavor so that we have something to look 
forward to. I'm really excited about it. Like, um, uh, any karaoke movie, I'm going to be excited about. I mean, there's. I will actually watch clips of. Uh, I actually do like uh, 500. Yeah, 500 days of summer. Yeah, I will actually like go and look. Uh, well, look up the scene, <laughs> the karaoke scene yeah, in that yeah, movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that that's a good one. That duets is, I think, is the only karaoke movie I've ever seen. Yeah. And actually, it's. Do you, have you no, seen it? I it's it's not that good. Oh, <laughs> All right. It's 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 very. Um, it's got like Gwyneth Paltrow, Paul Giamatti's in it. It's got like oh, the the cast. Yeah. Huey Lewis is in it. It's very nineties. It's 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 something. It's a movie. Yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. Um. But ours. So ours is called the Art of Karaoke. Yeah. Um. It started. A bunch of us went down to a spot called Brando's Speakeasy here yeah. um, when I was, I was working at, at a restaurant down in the South Loop. And we all went out for uh, one of our, one of the servers at the restaurant was moving to Atlanta. So we all were like, oh, let's go out and, and singing. And, and just where I was in life, it was kind of like, I was very much thinking of, of doing pure improv on film. And sitting there one of our one of the bartenders was like doing a mic check and stuff and i was like man he's taking this extremely seriously and then from there it was kind of like oh would what if someone took karaoke as seriously as i take comedy and and improv and and in that moment it was kind of like this whole world opened up now since then um i've been going to karaoke two or three times a week as franny as as the character franny um and found that like oh there this is not a map this is real like there is there are you know, that this is a real world. Like, you're not creating anything. This is already existent. You just have to come into it. Um, but it's called The Art of Karaoke. Some of the characters, Franny is a French-Canadian from Gatineau, Quebec, um, who is just, like, a, a creature of process. And, like, completely, it's it's basically, he's an extrapolation of, like, what, like, that, that artistic part of you, of everyone, put out into an entire character and then his his artistic focus is karaoke like everything i go to in in doing the character it is like i go down and i sit and i journal and i drink water and like it's like it's all about like the music and like pushing like everything um as far as it'll go and like not you know it's 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 not typical um people definitely get weirded out and and you were saying earlier about being the the hotel it's fun because a lot of people come there are hotels right yeah. around brando's and sometimes i can just go full franny like if someone says they're from out of town i just give them like the french canadian background and like all of that and sometimes it's more of a little of a of a thinly veiled um mask but um i guess in order of of what how we had the michael johnson who's a who's a dc guy he plays a guy kyle fernandes who um also lived in gatineau with franny um and he, he, we'll put him on kind of the angrier, fed up side, or at least what we've seen of him so far. Um, Susan Messing has played a character where she is, uh, her name's Ruby Space, and she is a, a camp kid all grown up and only sings one song, which is And So It Goes by Billy Joel, um, because she fell in love with a, a, a guy named Seth Rosengarten at, at Camp Hawthorne. And he's the one that got away. So she sings a song for him and she won two silvers and one gold at this camp. And like that, it's, you know, it's her mantra and everything. Um, we, uh, 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 
the main camera guy is a guy, um, and, and really one of my main creative partners is a guy named Ken Chahansky, and he plays um, a karaoke photographer Yeah. because we shot so much footage and we had a great shot, but Ken was kind of in the background with his own camera um, for, for the movie, and we were just like, well, what if we just explained it that he's a photographer, and that way he's completely absolved of being in any shot. So then we kind of ran with that. Um, we have um, his his partner in it is is a girl out here, uh, Megan Powell, who's is a phenomenal performer, um, and she she plays actually if you just right out here there's a, a little spot called Finley Dunn's and she plays the owner of that bar, um, which is actually our narrator's name is is Noah Gregoropoulos. Um, he's really kind of the guru of improv out here. Um, he's the narrator and he also is kind of in the movie, the, the guru of karaoke named Jan Pomerander who has disappeared. If you've ever seen searching for sugar, man, that's his character is kind of based off that. And that he disappeared about 25 years ago. He was like the karaoke troubadour. Um, man, we have a couple of people I've worked with. It, it's been fun too. Cause you know, a lot of people have, not necessarily been in the movie yet, um, but they've done characters on our on our on storytellers, like the live show. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's fun because we when it comes to characters, I don't even give them names. You know, I'd say like, "What's your name?" Like the only rule I give them is like to be you know part just be in the world. You know, make sure that karaoke is your character's focus and your and their passion. And then from there, they give them a name, they give them a history, they give them all that. And then it's just like, okay, yeah, cool, that works. So you have these overlapping worlds of the movie and then the show, karaoke storyteller show. Um, does everything come into play from karaoke storytellers? You take snippets, uh, are they separate? How, how do they work together or how do they work apart? So it works together in that the, the like, the, the, we came up with karaoke storytellers because it was like we have a completely improvised film therefore we know we don't have a plot so rather than just make it a like a, a true nothingness you know which if it's pulled off well it can be entertaining but especially with what we needed some direction with it so we did we, we had a little talk and we were like okay so we either make a competition here in the film in the story or we just make a show and what we decided would be really fun is is to do the show. So make it an actual weekly show um, that is developed. So in the film, if you see show number one, and then we just had show number 30 two weekends ago, last weekend, um, it looks like there's, you can tell, there's 28 shows in between. Um, so it, it is, um, it's one of those things where you, it, it's, you get that authenticity, and that's kind of what, that's, what I like so much about improv and film is it, it comes off very authentically. Like you see one of the goals of acting is to make it look like the actor is thinking of the words that they're saying in that moment. And we are so that come that you can see that, um, we have filmed, um, we just got, I just got finished with a montage section of the film. So we had, I think, I mean, we've had probably about 125 performers on the show. And then in the montage, probably about 40 of them were featured just visually. We, we covered the first show with three cameras, um, four cameras, actually. 
and then we have not filmed one super intensely since then because we we wanted there to be a long gap in between where we really figured out the show in real life. So that's what we've done, and and we're to the point now where I feel we've actually um, moved theaters now. Yeah. So yeah, and that just kind of, that came about because it it, it did. In the beginning, it was kind of like, yeah, we just need a stage and we'll have fun with it. And then we like completely fell in love with the show and now see life after it, after the movie, you know, and the show will still go on. So we will probably, we, there's a big, there are several big kind of nuggets um, we want to reveal through the show. Um, so we'll do that and we'll probably film one very intensely in the next three or four months. Um but for the most part, like it is, it, it's like a tangibility of the film. Like it's a, it's side by side. It's it's, you know, it, it it was completely born out. Like we did not go into making this movie or, or the art of karaoke as a project as a whole, saying okay, and then we'll we'll do karaoke storytellers. It was truly born out of diving deep into this project and then being like, okay, we need to do something else. Let's do a show. What's the show going to be? Well, let's make it a you know. <laughs> what's the story behind every song that people sing um but yeah so it's we, we don't in all honesty i don't really know where it's going but we we have enough traction that we are very comfortable that it's going to have a resolution uh, i'm gonna before i forget uh i want to like uh i can't tell you how amazing this concept of uh karaoke storytellers is because like uh, we come from like you know all of us can be a little bit selfish and wanting the mic and then wanting to sing. But this concept of like, uh, you know, short of a, a competitive concept uh, is one way to get, gather people together. Uh, and there are actually like uh, other many different uh, like uh, karaoke competitions throughout the, the country and whatnot. But this one isn't about competition. And it's that's the beauty of it. And you like I, you know, like I'm um, you, I could sit there for hours and watch this. You know, this is just so much fun to like have somebody pour their heart out on stage and telling you why. Yeah. It's just so such a great like um uh, experience. Like uh, you learn so much about people, and it's just amazing. I uh, this idea is just absolutely amazing, and I can't wait to see the movie. Uh, it's just uh, so much, so much uh like being on that and also seeing it. It's just, it's just so much fun. I mean, like, I just can't uh, tell you like uh, how amazed I am with the show. And you guys are moving to this new theater. That I, uh, I looked it up. I was like, oh, wow, this looks really, really fancy. And it has an older look to it. I, I haven't actually been to the place. So being that this is my first time in Chicago, I didn't have time to make it there. But I was like, oh, my God, this, this actually looks like a uh, really old style theater i don't know how many people seats but it sounds really exciting and like uh, the acoustics must be like pretty jazzy so it um we it, it is a it seats a thousand people it is it's an old opera house it's 107 years yeah. old it's actually if you um if you guys see pat oswalt's special the one annihilation that just came out yeah. it's in there no. so it's that same theater and it's really cool because the the lower level seats four hundred and the upper level seats six hundred. Yeah. And the upper level extends out to about eight row the eighth row. So when it's full and you really get you, you see a good shot of it in, in Patton's special, um, it, the audience is on top of the performer. Um, we so we are starting in we we had our first show there last week and we're starting in the studio spaces. 
um, which seat roughly 85. Okay. Um, and, but the, 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 the plan is, is to build it up, yeah. build this thing up, um, and then move to the main stage. Yeah. Hope like as of right now, we only have, we have the shows once a month now rather mm-hmm. than weekly as it was. Um, but it's, it, it's one of those things where you just, sometimes you know it's in the right place and, mm-hmm. and it is, you know, yeah. it, it is a, um, the people there, it just so happens that the guy who runs yeah. the theater is a, like a karaoke fiend too and yeah. does it every, when, when that, when, when I, I got to that place, I work with a guy at, at House of Blues, he's, I, I am a green room server over there and he's a, a, one of the lighting designers and, uh, he, I told him about the show, just inviting him out to see it at IO. Yeah. And he was like, well, I, I'm actually the LD over at this place called the Athenaeum. Yeah. If you ever want to, you know, have it there, you know, just let me know. And then after a while, I was kind of like, Hey, maybe that is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, we had a meeting in this past, I guess it was Friday and we were really kind of throwing out ideas for it. And, um, yeah, it's like one of those shows that you, you can, I don't know. It, it, there's something it's all, it, it's so simple. The concept is so simple, but, um, it's all almost going, you know, going back to the Lumineers and you have so much to play with simplicity, but it's, it's just giving storytelling is something that is universal as is music. It's just combining the two and making it kind of a hoi polloi, like the commoner can get up. And that's, that's what's, I don't know if you all have ever been to a moth show. Have you ever, I don't think so. Oh, it's the moth is great. Um, but it's the same thing where it's just kind of ours is not an open mic. We do have one slot reserved for an audience member, but we don't really, we don't really, it's not like we're auditioning people to do it where you get booked by saying, I like this. I want to do it. And we say, okay, well, here's our next open slot. Um, and I think that alone just really makes it, we, you, it's a very human show. You know, there's a wide spectrum of emotions, of stories, of songs, and it's every single, Man, there there was a time our first our first show was a nightmare just from a technical standpoint, and then the second show was just this like it was I just got to like kind of sit back and watch the thing unfold from a concept standpoint. Granted, there were like four people in the audience, but it was still like those four people are extremely engaged, and in a city that's really oversaturated with with live um, theater, you don't always see that and so it was kind of like okay we don't have a full house but we have full attention mm-hmm. and i'd take that at this stage over anything else one thing i can say about washington dc is that it's oversat uh improv might be a little bit oversaturated but i don't think all arts are so karaoke i think there's still room <coughs> i think music there's still room uh s- sketch comedy is growing a little bit now but what really this brings me to is kind of have a little bit of a flip in your story from ours. When I say ours, I mean myself and Tom. So, of course, Tom and I actually started out in improv, uh, I'm sorry, in karaoke, and made our way into improv from karaoke. Um, I'll even admit, when I was 10, I wrote plays for my family. So it's not to say that I didn't have a knack or interest in doing sketch comedy or improv early on. Uh, it's just that I didn't really pursue it until very recently, uh, whereas I've been going to karaoke. Much like you, I didn't go to karaoke until I moved out of my home state. 
when I was uh, growing up in Connecticut, I don't think I touched karaoke. I sang, I was in choirs, but it was more of the very formal type stuff. So looking at that, you have a pretty good record of, and time doing improv, and you're really known in Washington, D.C. circles for your, for your improv rather than the, uh, the karaoke. So how did you stumble into karaoke? Where, where did that path kind of move toward karaoke? Uh, understanding, much like Tom and I, our path toward improv does not mean there's no karaoke. In fact, karaoke is very much a part of our improv <laughs> experience. So that doesn't mean the improv goes away. So how did, how does this kind of very much of a, and for people who don't know improv, a very yes and <laughs> thing. We're not ta- so we're not talking about a replacement. We're talking about adding something on, of course. So yeah, I mean, that the I got into improv um, in D.C., I don't know, maybe six years ago, I started doing it in D.C. I'd done a little stand-up and knew I liked comedy, but also knew I didn't like stand-up. <laughs> um, so then took Sean uh, Westfall's class at the D.C. Improv and like really, really fell in love with it um, immediately. And then just like started, you know, dove headfirst into the, to the D.C. scene and really, um, you know, started to really watch it with a real critical eye, not like a critical, like thinking like, Oh, this person's doing something wrong. Thinking of it, like seeing something that went right and thinking, why did that go right? Seeing something that went wrong and thinking, why did that go wrong? And then on top of that, like really starting to understand stage presence and, and understanding, um, how to communicate with an audience without talking to them and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I moved out here and that was kind of, you know, that was the, the jump off the deep end, um, moved out here without a job. And was just like, I just want to do improv. Um, and, um, did find a job. So, um, but yeah, I started, I, I, I went through the IO program. Um, and then at the very end did not get on, um, on a Herald team and was really, really heartbroken by that. And, I remember sitting, I, I was at work that day, I was at the restaurant um, that I started at, and just remember it, it hitting really hard. And then after work, I just walked down to the Art Institute in Millennium Park and just found a little um, patch of grass where no one really was and just kind of like, you know, let all that, all those emotions out. And, and kind of the, the real the deepest part of it, I remember his voice just being like, use it, whatever this is, use it, use it, use it. There's something there. It was a week later that we were at Brando's and that idea came. And so the real idea, if, if you want to know and kind of why the art of karaoke comes off from a, from a different place, it doesn't come off from a jokey laugh at karaoke kind of place because the original idea was not only what if someone took, improv or, or, or took karaoke as seriously as I take improv it was what if someone allowed karaoke to hurt them in the same way that improv quote quote unquote improv hurt me um and obviously it wasn't it was different because it's you know there's like an institutional side of that that was really the opening so the opening of the film is actually Franny reading um a rejection letter from the place that he took karaoke classes which is, in fact, just the letter that um, I got from I.O. 
Um, and it was fresh and you can tell, you know, and that was the seed of the entire project was that thing of just, you know, what, what if someone cared so deeply that this, you know, burned inside of them to the point where, you know, that happened. So, I mean, that was it. And then, and then from there, actually we did, we shot one episode with Franny and then Michael's character, um, Kyle, and then we did um, Susan's episode, and then um, a guy Rory Scoville did an episode. And after Rory, it was kind of like, okay, Rory's like Rory's been one of my favorite stand-ups for a long time. And after that, it was kind of like, oh, we needed to do something with this. We either need to, it can't just be a web series. We need to yeah. either need to make it a show or make it a film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought a film would be easier. It has more of a of a shelf life and um, in terms of production, and it just it you know it's it making a tight story, it's better to do it like that yeah. than to go to, to some studio and be like, hey, we have an idea for a show. Well, what's a script? Oh, we don't have one. So that, I mean, that was where um, that started. And then we were shooting actually the first night. So this was January of 20, January of 2017. Yeah. January of 2017, we shot the opening scene. And I was doing a scene with Michael Johnson. And he was talking about, in again, in real life he got up and we were filming it and he uh the mic was not on and he goes on this in the in the film it's a three and a half minute scene and all he's talking about is a dead mic and like like who the fuck does this kj think he is handing me a dead mic you know and like going off and on and he has just like so many great lines uh in that scene we edited it um in the scene i couldn't stop laughing because it was like it's yeah. it's so ridiculous that a guy is sitting there talking, but in that moment it was kind of like okay, I I I have too much of a comedic perspective of this. Mm-hmm. The only thing to do now is to to dive deeper, you know, to get more into it, to lose, to to go beyond that place in your brain where you think this is funny, yeah. because that's really the key to comedy. You can't think that what you're mm-hmm. doing is funny. Um, so that's when I started doing it. And, and again, it was kind of like a thing where it was like, okay, should I just go down as Connor and do it? And then no to turn Franny on. And then it was like, no, these, none of these people know me. Um, so as a result, I, it, I went about four or five months before telling anyone that I got to know at Brando's that, oh yeah, there's, listen, there's a person beyond Franny. Um, and I have also just fallen in love with it. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things I never, ever, ever thought, even at the beginning of the project, I didn't think I would get into karaoke. Yeah. Um, I thought of it as, I think most people think of karaoke, and that's originally why I found it so funny. Kind of understanding that, that, that there is, if, if you're going to do this character and you're going to do it as well as you can, you have to really, and especially if there is no, if you don't have lines, you have to figure out the mind kind of thing. So, you know, I you can get a script and look at the, at the lines and be like, okay, there's really, I mean, yeah, there's infinite amount of ways you can deliver a line, but is there really, you know, with, whereas in, with improv, like you are only coming from your own knowledge. So why not get to know the thing that you're supposed to know? Um, and that's where it came from. So, yeah. Yeah. I know Stephen Colbert comes to mind, uh, even though in his case, it was Stephen Colbert playing Colbert. Stephen. Colbert, yeah. yeah. And you're right, there's a... Uh, yeah, Colbert. 
I, I'd have to say about that family. I think I think they do embrace. I, I think some of them do embrace Colbert yeah, too. So. I think originally it was Colbert. Yeah, he's from South Carolina. And, right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, his sister, yeah, went by Colbert. Colbert. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I almost think now that the um, now that they're so well known by Colbert, of course he goes by Colbert yeah. on the Late Show. So, but but it's, yeah, but it's, but it's, but it's interesting because uh, you're going out and playing a character in real life uh and uh do you think that this person is really really different from you or is there a lot and you actually kind of already answered this question to some degree that there is a lot of you in that there's the mirroring of things that happened in improv to you that now you're bringing into the karaoke world um yeah i, I guess i guess we're, we're, how maybe he talked about how he how is he how Franny's the same how is Franny different? Um, well, for starters, he has a very different um, parental situation. Franny was raised by just his mom um, and his dad's in the picture, but he's like the result of kind of a one night, not a one night stand, but like a maybe a winter fling. Um, whereas I have parents who are still happily married. Um, he's from Canada. I'm not, um, from a, there are a lot of differences. Um, there are a lot of similarities and I would say, um, again, he's just kind of an extrapolation of like, of the things I think of artistically just as an entire person. He also, there's Franny and this is, I mean, you know, not to, not to make light of it. And I, and, and this was. I don't know, kind of a, it, it was an organic discovery, but I, I do believe Franny has Asperger's and, right. and he's on the spectrum. And that came from doing it and realizing, like, you know, meeting people who said, you know, things like, oh, like, oh, I'm also, you know, on the spectrum, realizing, like, you know, I am, to them, I'm a, a Franny's a person who sits at karaoke and writes stuff mm-hmm. down and drinks water. It's not a drinking, it's not a social thing at all. It's very much an escape um and and that's not something in in fact that will never come out in the film because i think it wouldn't be understood you know but that like if you're if you want to talk about a real difference and and as a result you know i've uh john elder robeson's a guy who's written a bunch of books on asperger's Mm -hmm. i've you know and kind of really understanding the the a, a true fundamental difference between myself and franny that would probably be the biggest one um and that was a discovery that was not something that was like Oh, okay, yeah, so we'll make this character, he's this, he's this, he's this. That came like four months in, where it was like, oh, wow, that's something that I did not anticipate that is probably true. Talking to, yeah, I mean, Franny's not, um, and it's been, Storytellers has has obviously changed it a lot, too, because, you know, there's this whole outlet um, where Franny talks a lot, but Franny doesn't talk a lot. You know, Franny's very short, very... You know, he talks to his friends and everything, but like especially, I mean, it's it's almost really fun um, when I'm in a scene as Franny. One of the things I know, like when it, like full Franny, it, the the kind of that to get into Franny's mindset, I constantly think of like say the most while saying the least. Yeah. You know what's what answers like whatever question, you know I as you can tell right now I go in circles and you know but Franny says like two or three words that couldn't say everything. And that's and that's kind of really I guess the real the biggest difference um, those those two things. So I'm not going to talk too much about um, what I saw at uh, karaoke storytellers with Franny, but 
that scene is just absolutely beautiful. I mean, um, like, uh, just, uh, um, uh, so I'll able mention the song, but I won't give any more context, but you do a great, uh, I believe it was Stay, it was just absolutely amazing in the story behind it. Um, you have to get the movie in order to, <laughs> to see the rest. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> one, of the, one of the most fun things about storytellers has been the fact, like, Stay will not, Stay will come in because of Carl Mann. So yeah. the character Carl Mann yeah. will come around. Yeah. Stay won't be in the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's that's what's really fun about it. And and I on week number two, I realized like, man, this is this is really talk about taking yeah. a character to a new level, having to come up yeah. with whether it be from my own history and knowing like, okay, so this is a shared point of history. So on the Friday night show was a story about a girl I worked with that passed away, and that's someone I really worked with. Um but that in that, it was kind of like, oh, okay, so that means Franny worked at Beatrix mm. in order to know this person. Yeah. So there is a, um, no, I mean, so many little details, like figuring out about Franny. Like, when you talk about, like, really knowing a character, like, it's one thing to go to karaoke and to journal and to yeah. do all this, and which is what I do, but, yeah. but having to get up in front of people and tell a story yeah. about a song... Like, you really get to know, like, the amount of details of Franny's life that I've gotten to know just from the show yeah. is amazing. Um, you know, like, little things like how he got his name or how, you know, like, all these things that you would never consciously think of. But, like, with with his name, it was just like, okay, I, I like the song Name by Goo Goo yeah. Dolls. What's the story behind this? Well, make it Franny's name. You know, so it's like all these, you, you really... You dive deeper and deeper and deeper yeah. into the into the psyche of of the character, um, because not only are you learning their history, as it could be written in pages, yeah. but you have to psychologically understand mm-hmm. that. And what's really fun too is like like name was actually an interesting one because um, I had told two or three heavy stories in a row, and thought I need to lighten up. Like I, I it can't just be weight after weight after weight after weight yeah. you need to be able to do a different note yeah. um and that was really just kind of where i was in in life yeah. but um it uh in that in name i was telling the story as i had planned it in, not planned it but like I, I know the arc of the story before yeah. i tell it and i hit this point where it was like Franny was in the car with his mom moving from Toronto to Blacksburg, Virginia. And she said, Franny, do you know how you got your name? Yeah. And when I had planned it, I just thought that was like the connector, you know, between the, the two sections. And when I said it on stage, this like flood of emotion came over yeah. and it was like truly like I like I've told emotional stories before too and know, okay, I'll probably get emotional here. I'll probably get emotional yeah. here. This was one where it was like, I wasn't expecting a single emotion and this floodgate opened up. And it wasn't like a sobbing crime, but it was like, oh man, these are real tears. And that comes down to acting where it's like, I, I think the goal if you start crying at any time as a character should be to fight that. Um, one of the best things I heard about acting was it's so much more engaging to watch someone fight tears than it is to watch someone cry because there's a depth to fighting tears, whereas crying is crying. Um, and that just, it really, to be able to truly fight tears as Franny that I didn't plan on happening, that was like a really, really cool moment. And it was pretty early on. I think that was like our sixth or seventh show. Yeah. 
So, yeah, absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, so about Stay. I don't know if you know that um, Wit, like uh, the recording, is actually, they record and they put online. So you're actually online with the Stay. Oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, I watched the other day. I was like, oh, my God. It's absolutely beautiful. The songs, the original is beautiful. And uh, uh, recently, Paramore, I believe, uh, came up with a cover of the song. And uh, yeah, this can be done different ways. And, uh, you know, artists, I think artists generally put out songs because they want you to sing along. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, like, it's not meant to be like, uh, I find, I'm sure there's going to be people that disagree that, oh, nobody can sing like Whitney Houston. Okay, fine. All right. But it's not... Didn't, the artist didn't sing it so that you can't sing it. Right. I mean, I got that's. It, a, uh, what's it called? Um, <laughs> uh, who Who's the band? Um, the Eagles. Oh. They have a thing. Oh yeah. They yeah, don't want. They yeah, don't want any know, karaoke track. I've heard. <laughs> I've heard about that. Uh, I'm not gonna comment on it, but like at the same time, that doesn't prevent you from um, singing in the car. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so... Or at their concert. Yeah! I mean, like, uh, like uh, you, yeah, it'd be pretty ridiculous for any band to be like, I need you all to be quiet Silence. now. <laughs> and the, the Eagles really just need to take it easy. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, uh, I guess that's... Yeah, yeah. So, but no, nah, I mean, I got... That song's just beautiful, and you do such a beautiful job of it, and I'm just so excited to see this movie. I will just... We'll be in communication by email and when it comes out i will definitely buy a copy yeah. like uh i i can't tell you how excited i am about it uh i'm a karaoke fanatic and i absolutely love this idea and uh and you know yeah you bring up a really good point of uh songs you know like uh it's important to feel all emotions and like uh through song it's actually a big a uh a very interesting release you know like uh uh, for example, Shanae O'Connor's uh, Nothing Will Compare. Like, it's... Someone's saying that at the last show. <laughs> yes, that's, that's great that someone's saying it at the show because it's like one of those things where where um, it's just so... Uh, it's just so amazing. Like, um, to be able to share sadness. Sadness, I sometimes will get sad. I mean, my favorite album is Pink Floyd, uh, The Wall. And it's not a happy album. I mean, uh, I listened to it when I was actually like... I mean, I will probably come off as quite, quite um, cheerful uh, many times, but I deal with my depressions in very many um, different ways. I, I can be quiet, and as much as I'm an extrovert, I, my most productive times actually are spent intro- being an introvert, mm-hmm. looking in. And, and I think a lot of people don't realize that, but um, uh, everybody has a little bit of introvert in them, and it's important for that to show. And also, sad songs matter. Because they help you. It's okay to be sad. You need to get through it. Whatever helps you cope with that. You know, um, just holding all in, it's not good for you. I mean, uh, being sad for, let's say, you know, three hours, four hours, five hours, compared to being sad for, you know, months at a time, there's a big difference. And uh, this is, uh, I'm going to let Sean, who was an event host for something called Sad Song Battle at RevX, which is actually, like, I get a lot of compliments from people. They're like, oh, that event was really amazing. And actually, Sean was the person that came up with the idea of like, oh, yeah, we host events. Why don't we do a Sad Song Battle? Because it is very important to feel all spectrums of emotion. Right. 
Well, I'll share about that first. There's another nugget because it kind of comes back to how this all started, and I found it very interesting. First, we'll talk about the set side panel. And what is interesting about competition in the competitive space, um, people don't sing sad songs very frequently. Yeah, it's vulnerable. Um, I also could say I didn't, as a competitor, didn't choose to sing sad songs competitively. So when you have that atmosphere, you really have to make it the theme in order for it to happen. And I just noticed that there's so many songs out there that are rich, rich in rich in quality. And my favorite songs are not the happiest songs. I know um, that I really love... I went to a concert with Tom uh, for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And some of, uh, some of the Red Hot Chili Pepper songs touch on very difficult, yeah. hard feelings and hard subjects. But they don't win competition. I think I lost when I sang uh, Under the Bridge, for example. Yeah. Uh, on the topic of, you know, rejection, um, I wanted to just share that I did not get accepted to the Herald team uh, at WIT on Wednesday. So this is fresh for me. Um, I've been sitting with this a little bit since you said that, um, thinking about how important it is to keep going, but also still accepting and giving space for not feeling, you know, great about, (laughs) well, where am I? Who am I? What am I doing? Why am I doing this? You know, a lot of those questions I'm sure come up, so... You think about both from the musical and the personal, maybe. Like, is there anything, or music, did, did the music help beyond the, the, the act? Or did just jumping into this character help? Well, what, what do you think? Um, well, I think that, <clears throat> for starters, it's been, uh, like, two and a half years now since getting that uh, rejection, and I can tell you with 100% confidence that none of that stuff matters. You know, it doesn't. The thing that really helped was moving on to the next thing. And I knew when I moved here that my focus, early on, my focus was was figuring out a way to do pure improvisation on film. Not just being like, here's a script, you know, Mm -hmm. improvise a little bit. Being like, we don't know where this story is going. We trust that we have a world and a playground that we will have plenty to do with. Um, but knowing that, like, like for instance, like not knowing that karaoke storytellers was going to come about. And then beyond that, once we did know it was going to come about, not knowing that we were going to change venues. You know, like that's like a part of the film now where that, that in, in to justify it, it's going to be simple. And it's going to be, talk about like the, the film, I'm, I'm editing it comedically. There's no doubt about it. But we have reached a point now where Franny and Steve will sit down and say, are we in the right space? And the answer is no, because it's a comedy theater and people are coming to the show expecting comedy and what we're doing is not comedy, which is a kind of a deeper level of comedy if you're talking about a, a comedic mm-hmm. movie. Um, the, the, the thing that really resonated and, and became is becoming a real motif of, of the project from the production standpoint, but then also the, from a character standpoint. Um, and actually this tattoo is, is it. 
Um, but my fiance um, told me something when I was when when that first happened and was really struggling with it. She said um, she saw something on Humans of New York, and it said there are three things you can do when a wave comes. You can hold your pride and stand your ground, and it'll swallow you. You can run from it, and it'll catch you. Or you can dive deep and transform your circumstances to match the wave. So the way I look at this is, had I made that team, I probably, I certainly would not have come up with this in the in the fashion, in the depth that it is now. Because really that first seed was that place of, what if karaoke hurt someone as much as I felt improv had hurt me? Um, and then beyond that, you know, now I'm, I'm in the process of, of, of forming a... a um, really an all-encompassing um, improvisation um, company, 501c3, with, with a couple of people who worked very closely with Harold Ramis, and we're in the, in the process of forming this thing out here. And it's like we're, we're really digging through, and, this, and it is all coming from diving deep into this project. And I think we all get so focused on um, the steps before us. Like, trust me, I've, I've read... Amy Poehler and Tina Fey's books and Chris Farley and the, mm-hmm. I know the people who have come through yeah. this city and who have done comedy and the path that they took and they mm-hmm. all took this similar path and you assume that you need to take that path if you want to be as successful yeah. as them and that's not true like it's it's up to you to create your own um, you give yourself your own worth and you also create your own future yeah. so there's no one if, if there was four or five people that came out to see 75 or however many people um, audition for a spot and decide that this person is good. Guess what? You know, like, Michael Jordan got cut from his, his varsity team. Like, like people slip through the cracks. Yeah. And there is no... It's, it is up to the individual to rise above any sort of expectation that they think they might need to fulfill in order to have meaning. Um... So I, th- I don't know, it's just, if, if there's any advice, rejection is good. I do firmly believe that it's a positive thing um, because it forces you, you know, we talk about the Lumineers and, for- and, yeah. and finding their voice. I know that some of the worst improv I've ever, and, and I, don't, I, I don't, I'm not saying this to, to speak poorly on, on the I.O. program. The I.O. program is great. But towards the end, getting to the competition side of it, I was not going out on stage thinking, oh, I'm going to have fun improvising. I was going on stage thinking, I want to make a Herald team. Yeah. And that leads to crappy improv because you're not free. You're limited in this kind of thing of you're, you, you go out and you're thinking, am I making the quote-unquote right move here? And the right move is, is not the right move. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's I, I, the best improv I've ever done is when I've just been going out and thinking, um, hey, let's see where this goes. And hey, you know, don't forget to have fun while you're yeah. doing it. Um, this project is the most uh, certainly creatively it's it's you know we're now it's it's been two and a half years that we've been doing it and um it it is it is truly fulfilling you know on on a bunch of different levels like not just with the film but with the show as well it it, it really has just become this whole it's it's taken on this whole life of its own um and when you, I don't know, when you when you dive deep into something, you find that like you just you reach a new level of of how how of of commitment, yeah. and then that just translates over. As soon as this, you know, I had I had, I made my first short film, 
shortly, but finished it right after um, finishing an IO, and there was like a three week. Oh, it's it's called Days of Seasons. Yeah, it was right after that that the idea for Art of Karaoke comes from, and then, and you find that when you fully commit yourself to something, that commitment doesn't go anywhere. You know, it's like energy is not created or destroyed; it's still there, um, and it just transforms from one form to another. So I think that creatively, that's very true. So it's just commit, you know, like, don't, don't worry about this, this grand scheme of, of what you think is success and what you think it just dive deep, you know, it's and and ask, you know, I always say that, you know, like someone like Susan Messing, like she's, she said yes, because we asked, she wouldn't be involved if we didn't ask. And we've also had a bunch of people say no to us. So it's just a matter of um, kind of reframing the, what you, one of the big things that, that Franny has really opened my eyes to is, is leaning into failure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this idea of, in fact, just at the last Storytellers, I told a story about um, just the, the concept of confidence and, and what is your source of confidence. Yeah. And that empty comp- confidence is rooted in success, that you're confident because you're successful at something. But true confidence comes from failure because yeah. you know that failure isn't that bad. You know, it happens. Mm-hmm. And when you know it happens, if you're going for something, it's, it's, it's like an old thing in comedy. If you're going for funny and you don't hit it, it's ugly. If you're going for honesty and you don't hit it, you can hit a lot of other things. Um, so it's just, you know, along those same lines, you know, just. So I'm actually going to talk about something that's not music, something pers- very personal. And I think that um, this is, uh, like, uh, this is a, a good segue into this. Um, so I, I would approach every day as like um, I wouldn't change a single thing because you can't get here without all the failures. It shapes and molds who you are. And this isn't about music, um, this particular story. Uh, so I, you know, like um, you talked about enjoying yourself. So I played three years of high school varsity lacrosse. Uh, like um, was uh, on a team that lost less than a handful of games in those years. Uh, What's cool? Hamburg. Nice. We lost to Orchard Park every, every yeah, year. Yeah, it yeah. was really difficult. And, you know, on the outside looking in, you'd think, oh, yeah, this is success. Of all those games, which is like close to 50 game, varsity games, probably enjoyed one game in my whole life. I mean, like, I really... But I don't look back at it like I hate lacrosse I look back at it I know a lot about it I made a lot of decisions like the way that I approach things the reason why you know like uh, I in my day job I'm a scientist and I uh, and I pride myself I'm I'm not like the most knowledgeable and the the most intellectual scientist I'm uh, I'm the person that is a project uh, like I'm a team player that's I learned to be a team player through, even though I'm not having the happiest times, I understand what it takes to move the team forward and sacrifice. Early on in lacrosse, I probably, like, uh, like I was like, oh, I can make varsity and play three years on varsity if I change positions. It was probably the worst move I probably could have done because by the time I, like, actually really understood the game, understood all the things that, midfielders and attackmen don't do. I, I moved to defense, like defensive midi. 
all the things like that people complain about, I'm willing to do. But at the same time, you've already made the change. You're not going to rock the boat. You're going to go through the rest of this, you know, and, and be a team player. Being a team player means a lot. And uh, it means a lot of sacrifice. I just wish that I would have had more fun doing it. Uh, I wouldn't have changed anything because the experiences I've gotten from it, I still talk with teammates from high school. Um, and uh, uh, I uh, played um, a year of uh, college lacrosse at the Division three level. And, uh, you know, the friendships I have there, like every, anybody who's ever played with me knows I give everything I ever have. And I still believe in that to the full ex- extent of of uh, whether it's work, whether it's um, creative. Like, if I'm there, I'm going to, at that moment, it's what I have. I'm going to give you everything I've got. And it's, you know, it, and uh, without, even with failure, you can learn from what your strengths are. And uh, hopefully, you can approach, um, approach things like, oh, yeah. This isn't as fun, but you know, like, try to like, you know, before going through three years of like not having as much fun as you thought you could have, like, change your attitude. Because your attitude is at the end of the day, um, why are you doing it? So when I go to after care, there's nights I don't have a great night, but the nights I do have a great night, I'm and I'm testing my voice. I'm trying to figure out what works, what's keepers, what's not keepers, and at the and uh, I do this um, not because it is. Um, it started out mainly because of a uh, music outlet, but at some point I do want to create music, original music, and I want uh, you have a range and want to figure out how to incorporate a range and what what is the creative content that I'm I'm doing, and if I get an opportunity to perform it live, what is the embodiment of that, and that's important. And when I do it, I want to have the confidence, but not just the confidence. I want to have the f- fun. Yeah. The reason why I pay $100 or $300 for a music festival, you know, why is it that you do this? You do it because they love what they're doing on stage and they're sharing with you. And that's, I will never lose focus of trying to be, you know, like if, trying to figure out what it is that works for me and what the creative message is. And I think that all creative art is just awesome document. And I just can't wait to see this movie uh, because I think it's like this, um, uh, sometimes people forget the process. The process isn't always, it's not, it's not winning a lottery ticket. It's yeah. like, you know, like a lot of hard work goes into all of this. And this is, I mean, I have so much respect for you. Like this, uh, it's just, uh, very excited. <laughs> yeah. And um do you have oh yeah. Um yeah, I mean I think the the the, the key is you know the 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 process isn't pretty. Yeah. Like it, it really um but in you know it's it's funny because when I when I was moving for comedy, I really kind of came down to New York and Chicago. Like where yeah. where do I want to go? I kind of knew I didn't want to live in LA. Um but in in now the four years that I've lived here, um, it's really, it's become clear that this is the perfect place for, for what I want to do. And, and, but also from like a community standpoint, um, there's a guy, um, a friend of mine who put it really perfectly one time. He said, you know, 
L.A. and New York are product towns. They're focused on what you can churn out. Chicago's a process town. And, um, you know, I've, I've heard it all the time, but like, or, or many times that so many people who come through this city, um, and there are a lot of them, you know, if you turn on any, watch movies, you know, watch TV, there's a, there's a Chicago influence on a, on a lot of comedy. Yeah. A lot of their best work was in this city. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, I don't, I, I think that, um, you know, and the, it, that's kind of what one of the goals with with this organization that we're forming is to to keep people in Chicago, yeah. to to create jobs in improv, to mm-hmm. to make to make it not just um, just a means but also an ends. Like you know, yeah. we want people to. So many people view Chicago as kind of a place. I, I remember when I, right before I moved here, there's a guy who's in the D.C. scene who's now in New York now who said, you know, um, you'll go to Chicago and you'll get really good. And he kind of left it at that. And I was kind of like, well, what does that mean? You know, like, what's what's wrong with staying in Chicago? And that's, um, I in, in terms of, from a creative standpoint, I have no plans of ever leaving here. Um, I wouldn't, I do plan on leaving here at some point to go somewhere else, but it won't be to pursue anything. Like, everything you could possibly want is in this town, and it's a process town, you know? It is fully embrace the fact that there are plenty of failures along whatever path it is you're taking and just go, you know, like it's, it's the old thing where it's like, if know what you want and then know when you have it and when you don't have it. And if you don't have it, 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 it's almost binary, you know, it's like, it's like asking people to, to be in your project. It's like, if you want this person to be in your project or, or to be involved with something that you're doing, and they're not, you can ask them and have a chance of having them on, or you cannot ask them and have zero chance of having them on. Well, go with the option that has more of a chance of having them with you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's really, um, dive deep into the things you care about, and you don't have any expectation for it, because I haven't had much expectation for this, and it's it has, you know, it's changed my life, and it hasn't even really caught on yet you know so it's it's but you know it's you you can see the path before kind of others can so yeah yeah i uh sean do you have anything else to add i'm good yeah i mean this has been um one of my favorite podcasts like um this getting to talk with you and learn more and um uh like um the the process i mean it, it uh it hits on a you know very resonant you know a uh, feeling of where where all of us like um you know artistically like uh you know feel at some point you know so yeah no I mean like uh like uh, I just yeah I can't wait to see the movie <laughs> I, I know I've mentioned this yeah. a few times but that's just uh you know like, this has probably been my favorite episode so far absolutely. I'm very, I'm very uh, happy that I had had the chance to join for this too. Uh, I just was taken aback by karaoke storytellers. Um, I have been plotting and scheming. What can we do with karaoke? And you know, Tom and I are working on a project of, on a very simple karaoke style improv uh, project uh, called All in Pitches. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it's 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 awesome. Uh, it it just gives me the thought uh, from a creative standpoint. 
well, what else can we do? So I think this was a very inspiring conversation. Uh, and both from what I do with karaoke, but what I do in general, what's next? And also really what's important about you sharing how karaoke kind of stumbled upon by accident. What, what might I stumble upon by accident that might not be karaoke or improv? Or, of course, uh, I've also been a little bit involved in sketch. So it could be something completely different. And just being able to kind of take it in and embrace it. That's really, really good message. Yeah. And have fun. Have fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I still, I still love lacrosse, but I mean, uh, I wish I would have had more fun. I mean, I had, so didn't have fun during the games. Because I had such high expectations, but like the practices, like and the bond, like a team chemistry and all that stuff, that was all a blast, you know. Like, uh, and you gave like uh, there's a fun aspect of giving everything you have, no matter what, you know. There's always fun in that. Just you know, like you just sometimes, you know, sometimes your goals are not the same, and uh, you know, and you, you know, like when you, twenty twenties. Well, looking, looking backwards is almost always twenty twenty, and uh, you know, uh, that's great if you know what to do going forward, yeah. and knowing that there's something going forward, and uh, that you mean know, like I've never actually had a podcast that has led to to this kind of conversation. You know, again, I, I, I mean, I'm usually pretty open, but uh, I don't usually talk about this topic because uh, you know, you know, there's. You know, a level of like you know privacy that you want, but you know for this case, you know this relates. I mean, I I think you're gonna be an awesome success and like and the creative content. You know, like we're all we're all lucky to have uh, experienced karaoke storytellers. Yeah. Thank you again, Connor. That you know this has been just so much fun and yeah. uh, uh, really you know heartfelt. And yeah. uh, you know, like thank you for sharing. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, this. This was fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'm signing off. This is Tamikaze, and uh, you've listened to another episode of Voices. Thank you very much.